Hello, everyone, and inside today's Locked On Canadians, we're recapping a disaster in Columbus, a not-quite-disaster in Rochester, and whether or not the Canadians can tank without embarrassing themselves for the rest of the season. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 594 of Lockdown Canadians. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day, wherever you get your podcast or your first watch. If you are watching us on YouTube, please uh, subscribe if you haven't already. We're trying to climb that steep hill up to 1,000 subscribers so we can make that big-time YouTube money. I am one of your hosts. <laughs> I am Scott Matla, and I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba, and we we kind of split duties on the game set across the Montreal organization. And speaking of duty and duties and all that other stuff, the Canadians lost five one and it was terrible from the little bit that I got to watch. Was it not Laura? It was honestly one of their worst games of the season. They were not just listless, but they were bad at everything. They couldn't execute face-offs. They were always in the wrong place at the wrong time. The broadcast blamed uh, Cole Caulfield for a couple of those goals, but to be honest, everybody on the team were bad on them. And on one of them, he was literally being vigorously defended against by, Col I can't remember, I think it was uh, whoever it was on Columbus wearing 44. Uh, it was not... It was, it was not one of their great games. They weren't winning foot, foot races. They weren't first on the puck. They weren't in the right place. Like They did improve somewhat in the third period, but they still allowed a couple of goals in it. So I don't know if you can really say that the Canadians recovered in that third period. That's not what we're used to seeing from them. At least, you know, usually their, their third period is a good effort. I, I, I would be hard-pressed to find somebody where I could... I, I could confidently say that they had a good game from beginning to end. Like Jordan Harris was good for many of his shifts. Uh, Ryan Paling got a goal and that was lucky for him. Uh, Nick Suzuki was orchestrating that. Nick Suzuki was quite, um, it was quite decent overall, but the fact that the Canadians cannot win faceoffs is extremely, extremely frustrating. Now I know that over the years, faceoffs have gotten less and less important as the game of hockey is involved, but they still matter. <laughs> um, and that's still something that they need to improve because they're not good at the other things, right? Like if you're not winning the face-offs, but you can beat a guy to a puck or you can get in the way of the puck, that's fine. But you're not winning the face-offs and you're not doing those other fundamentals right. So this isn't a situation where like the fancy stuff was going wrong. It was the fundamentals that did not exist. And, and it's funny is that I'm looking over natural stat trick right now and like couple people were bad, but like Caulfield, Anderson, Suzuki, and Petrie were up on the good side of things, which is what you want to see, you know, in terms of scoring chances and expected goals and Corsi and everything. But it's just when I when I was watching the game, it's just like there's nothing happening in this right now. It feels like you said it was listless. And we're going to talk about it in our third segment about games like this and, you know, people who complained about, you know, Jake Allen stealing too many games and everything. This is an effort that you don't want these down the stretch. You don't want, I don't think they're mailing it in, but you look at the effort out there and you go, this isn't, 
This isn't what you want to see from a team that's trying to play for pride here. And it's, I, I don't want to pick on the guy, but I, I can't help it. Mike Hoffman's not good. I, I can't stress this enough anymore. He doesn't fit this team. They sent Jesse Yelonen back down to the AHL, which makes sense in retrospect. But Yelonen went out and had a three-point night for the Rocket, and we're going to touch on that. And Hoffman wasn't good. Every time he plays with the puck, whether it be on the power play or something else, something bad happens. And he got bailed out by an impressive back check by Ryan Paling. And thankfully, Paling was rewarded for that defensive effort by getting a goal of his own. I it's just a game like this. I I know the goals were weird. I don't know if it was Montembeau, if it was the defense, if it was a combination of things, but this was just a game where I I find it hard to analyze because I'm like, nothing's happening in this. Like it wasn't a super high event game, wasn't a ton of high danger chances. There were a lot of scoring chances at five on five, but it's like it it's there's nothing there. I'm looking at the expected goals for each team and it was 1.9 for Columbus and 1.6 for the Habs at five on five, all situations, 2.8 versus 2.07. It's, it's just a game that I look at and go, whatever it, nothing. Yeah. It was, I said it in the Slack chat to somebody else. I'm like, is this the most meh matchup that we can come up with? And a lot of people went, yeah, probably are bad and Columbus is in this weird purgatory. Sorry, Jay, love you to death, but I think you would agree with us on that. It's it's late season blues, and they've got another one potentially like this on Friday against the Islanders. The Islanders, who are a defensive team, don't play high event hockey, but can make you you know struggle to get any offense going. And I'm hoping that they learn from this. Absolutely. And here's the thing: is that you kind of have to. Console, not console yourself, but one of the bright spots with the Canadians is you have to learn what they need to work on. And honestly, some of the fundamentals are something that they need to work on. I'm always reminded of the year that Sidney Crosby, for whatever reason, it was fairly early in his career. It wasn't, it wasn't recent, but he had a year where he was just good at literally everything but the face-offs, right? It was a fundamental thing. So what did he do all summer long was he practiced that and he became one of the best at them, right? It, it, things happen where like something, something that's usually your strength becomes your weakness. You kind of lose it a little bit. You're out of practice. You need to work on that skill. You need to hone it in. The Canadians now have a skills coach. And I was actually uh, back listening to a couple of episodes of some other podcasts, some other Habs podcasts that, that I hadn't uh, caught up on yet. And a lot of them were talking about how this feels like a different year in terms of development. It feels like a different kind of future in terms of development in that the Canadians are valuing it. And the way that we know that Kent Hughes operates is that development isn't just when you're a rookie. It happens throughout your entire career. And so I do think that that's, this is something where they're going to take some fundamental skills and they're going to give the players homework for the off season to work on them because that's not like all this stuff that's happening in the games, like in the game, like tonight, that's not going to fly next year. You do things like that, you get healthy scratch. You get a talking to from the coach. Like th- this is kind of a wash, right? But it's not. It's not always going to be like this. Yeah, and and that's the thing is this is one of those. It's a learning moment, and it should be a learning and a teaching moment for everyone across the board. It's Alex Burroughs is still a young coach. Luke Richardson's the most veteran guy on the bench. Martin St. Louis is a rookie coach. It's it's a team that has to kind of learn to find its legs again, and that that's it. You know. We'll uh, obviously have more next week after their very busy Easter weekend, but 
they were not the only Habs uh, organization team. However, we want to phrase that in action tonight. Uh, the Rocket took on the Rochester Americans in Rochester, uh, and we will have a recap, some reactions, and what their game means all coming up next. But first, Bet Online is your number one source for all your sports betting stats and info, and you can get all the latest development, league reviews, and news, uh, including this year's NBA playoffs, the start of the MLB season, and so much more at Bet Online. And they are your continued source for all your sports wagering info, including live betting to the playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn about the trends and the action. Bet online where the game starts. So as I said off the top, the Habs were not the only team in action tonight. Uh, the Laval Rocket were in Rochester. I wish I could have gone to the game, but extenuating circumstances couldn't make the trip down I-90. And the Rocket almost did it again like they did last Friday during old-time hockey night. Uh, they almost got the win in overtime. Uh, they got it to overtime, secured a big Huge point in the North Division because Belleville won, Syracuse won, and obviously now tonight Rochester won. Uh, and it's funny is that watching this game in comparison to the Habs game is that the Rocket did not have a good start. They were down two goals in the first, came out and got two goals immediately in the second, gave up one late, and then got one on the power play in the third to force overtime. But at the same time, you can see the effort and the actions that are there for a team that's clearly been traveling a lot, is probably a little bit road-weary. And now the hardest part is they have to go to Cleveland tonight to play on Thursday, which means tomorrow's episode with our special guest will be dropping after that game because their game on Good Friday got bumped for the NBA playoffs. So they are now forced to drive to Cleveland tonight and then play tomorrow without a regular number, without one of their regular goalies. Kevin Poulin started tonight. Their backup was a like third stringer from their development camp they brought in. And my working theory is the Habs are going to leave Caden Primo in Ohio. And then they are going to turn around and say, we have sent him down and he's going to meet the team in Cleveland. And he will probably start for the Rocket, which means Carey Price will rise on Good Friday to lead us out of, well, maybe not mediocrity this year, but next year. Uh <laughs> It's a tough loss for the Rocket. Uh, Jesse Alonen had a three-point night and... I look at this kid and I, I kind of got tired of everyone going, he should be in the NHL. I'm like, it makes sense to play him with the rocket. The season's almost over, but I watched him play tonight and I went, this is a guy who has to be on the NHL roster next year. There's no if, ands or buts about that. The talents there, the skill is there, the work ethics there. He's become such a more well-rounded player. You got to get him on the Habs next season. Absolutely. But I also think that it's very valuable to have him on the playoff push, not just for Laval, but for him as well. And to have him on that playoff, like playing those playoff games, I think that's invaluable experience for him. There's no point to leaving him up on the Canadians club right now. It would have been nice to experiment with him on the first line with Nick Suzuki and, and Cole Caulfield. That that would have been a fun, you know, uh, kind of way to, for Martin Saint-Louis to continue on his risk-taking sort of um, uh, train. But I, you know what? He's going to hone in his skills. I thought, uh, you know, I was kind of paying attention out of the side of my eye. And uh, JS Day seemed to have a huge game as well. Uh, but in terms of Yassi Lonen, he was somebody that I remember you bringing up way back. You know, that's this is like a, a locked on Canadians deep cut. And I remember the question <laughs> mark was, can he be ready or can he get ready? And it looks like he's done the work. He's being developed. He's gotten the experience. 
and he can, in fact, be ready. I'm very excited to see him on the NHL roster next year. I think that's going to be fantastic. And it's going to be one of those things where the Canadians, you know, young guys, young, cheap guys on the roster, why not? I think it's going to be really, really fun. And in terms of the Rocket as well, I was just thinking about it. I was like, well, they won on Friday. They won on Saturday. They won on Wednesday. And then they turn around and won on on Monday as well. Like, what are the chances that they're going to get five in a row? At least let's see if they lose, if they, I hope they lose in overtime so they get that point. So I feel like just in terms of like law of averages, they were bound to lose a game at some point. But I do think that the way that they've been playing lately, they're just powering through and they seem determined and they seem to be pulling wins out of nowhere a lot of the time. But most of the time they're playing so well that they're dominating on the ice. So I'm not worried. Yeah, like I'm looking at this game and they've got eight games left. They have a 594 points percentage and out of the playoffs is a 554, which is Belleville. Every game matters in the North Division because that's the entirety of the Rockets schedule now is uh, they are playing only North Division teams and they have two games against Cleveland who they are the monsters are the bottom feeder in this division. They are not making the playoffs this year. These are two must-win games for the Rocket, and then they play Belleville next uh, next Monday as well. These are all big must-win games for this team here because if Belleville's in that last spot and all your points, this and that, but at the same time, I'm not worried about it in the way that I have with teams in the past. Like Joel Bouchard's you know, push last year notwithstanding – I feel confident that this team can make something happen because if someone struggles, someone is there to pick up the slack. And with regards to Yessi alone, one of the biggest things going into this season that I said had to be looked at was, can he improve his defensive work ethic a little bit? And that's exactly what he's done is he's gotten better on both sides of the puck. He's a very good playmaker. Now he doesn't just fire the puck when he needs to, but he can. And I think that's part of the coaching staff this year. And part of the message he got is that if he improves that he's going to see more NHL time. I know Andrew Berkshire had an article about it, I believe for the Gazette about uh, alone yes. stats. He's someone who has to be on this team next year. And I'm looking at someone like him, a Raphael Harvey Pinard are going to make some noise here, but this team has the depth to contend in the playoffs. Like Alex Belzeal, who's been a top six winger almost exclusively for the last three years for them was playing fourth line minutes tonight and is effective in that role because their lineup is set up that way. Uh, there's a lot of runway left in these eight games here. A lot can happen. They're not locked in, but they're getting about as close as you can be without actually clinching. I'm, I'm very excited to see what they do now because if, if they win these two games in Cleveland here, a little bit of scoreboard watching uh, and I might be able to breathe easily when talking about this team for the uh, relative near future. Yeah, I absolutely agree with everything you just said. I'm I'm just I'm really hoping that the playoffs happen for them because I think we're going to learn so much about each player from that as well. Like I know I know, you know, people look at the AHL team as a development team, but in in Laval, they're actually a movement, right? Like they've got diehard fans, they've got an experience, and I really really think that, you know, this is going to be huge reward for all those people who've been loyal throughout the really lean years as well. Yeah, and I absolutely agree with that, is that it's, it's been a rough road to get back to where it needs to be, and this is part of that process. It sucks, but guess what? It gets better eventually, and there's more prospects coming. There's more of this coming. And speaking of prospects and tanking and all the process and everything else, 
can the Habs, you know, still win games and tank this season? Or is this what we can expect for the last eight games? My biggest thing with this is I, I look at what the Canadians are. They are not a good team. We are not making any assertions that they are a good team. I think we are far past that being a, re- uh, a relevant thing. But we saw for a little while here that the Canadians can play exciting up-tempo hockey, lose games, win some games. And there's a portion of this fan base, and I don't like to call people out for no reason, but there's a portion of this fan base that looked at Jake Allen winning games going, they're ruining the tank as the team went from 32nd to 31st for a little bit of time. This is not what this team needs right now. They need to lose games, yes, but they were in 31st place. They don't exactly have an easy schedule down the stretch here. I don't understand why people are panicking, thinking they're going to fall out of the top three picks here, because I don't see that happening. I don't see that being a thing right now. And I would rather have games where they are competitive and win more often and we pick third than play like they did tonight and finish first and have at best a 20% chance of picking first overall. Tonight's game is demoralizing. You have guys who expect better on the ice and they can't get that. And I really, I don't like watching a team play like this because it, you can tell that it's bot that it bothers everybody And it just doesn't, it's not fun to cover. It's not fun to watch. It's just not enjoyable across the board. And they're in 31st. They're not going to pass the Devils. They're not going to fall out of the top three here because they're bad. They're going to lose, but you can play well and still lose. You don't need to go out there and just lay an egg like they did tonight. I absolutely agree with you. And I think people kind of forget that the first overall pick is not that high of a chance anymore to get that, sorry, um, Coming 32nd is not that that high of a chance uh, for you to get that first overall pick, right? Like, chances are you're going to win it if you come second or third. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the top five, if you take four to five, have a bigger chance of winning the lottery than one does, right? So I just... I personally, I'm not worried about their draft positioning because they've done enough to draft top three. I'm convinced of that. Like, how far can they fall? You can't fall more than, like, I think if you're in that top three spot, you can't fall more than two if, you, if you're, if you like, 30th, 31st, or 32nd. There's, like, like a whole bunch of little built-in rules that kind of help the teams that are the worst. I, and, like, here's the thing, though. If they don't get Shane right, it's not the end of the world. They just have to be smart about the guy they do take in that top five. That's just that's just the way it is. They have to look at their team. They have to look at the needs. They have to look at the future. And they have to look at what that guy, whoever's there, whoever's available um, at that second or third overall or whatever, they have to look at who the best, who makes the most sense for that team. If they get Shane Wright, fantastic. That's great. But we went from the 2022 draft has amazing players in it to Shane Wright's not that great, right? Like the narrative changed over the course of the season. And I don't understand where that came from. I think a top five player is a top five player. They don't always bust, right? Like they might not accomplish the same thing that, you know, last year's number one or last year's number two did or whatever. But I just, I find that people panicking about this, there's no point to it because they have done enough. They have lost enough games to get an elite talented player, a player that they might even be able to, with the right development, turn into an absolute superstar. There have been guys that have come out of nowhere. There have been guys that have been like, oh, fifth or sixth overall, and they turn out to be one of the best in the league at whatever 
whatever it is that they do. There have been plays, the players, and I, I, I know people are like, oh, this is old stuff, like Detroit Red Wings, right? Like they picked guys in the seventh round and made them amazing. I don't think we should panic about that. What we should do is we should ask ourselves, what are the Canadians gaining from the last, I believe there's eight games left in this season, right? Yes. What are they gaining from that? Like, like that's why the game against Columbus was so annoying because there was nothing to be learned from that, right? Like there was a lot to be learned from the loss against Toronto. There were a lot of takeaways uh, from the loss uh, against the Winnipeg Jets, right? I think losing to really, really good teams teaches you a lot. Losing to bad teams teaches you other things. But tonight's game where there were no takeaways, like Columbus won, but they weren't even that good, right? Like the Canadians weren't learning anything that they didn't already know. So for me, the value in the last few games is, you know, try whatever, throw out risks, see what's happening. Maybe Carey Price comes back on Good Friday like you predicted. And maybe we see like how well has he healed? Maybe, maybe, you know, you need maybe you need those eight games to find out what else he needs to do to rehab in the offseason, right? There's so many takeaways that you can get from a tanking season. And also the value of tanking is not the way that it used to be. It used to be you had such a great shot. Now you don't. So I feel like everybody needs to calm down. I'm turning, I'm I'm kind of getting a little bit heated about this. I didn't really realize I cared this much, but I just, I feel like, you know, people aren't happy because they weren't winning and then they started winning and people are like not happy because they're not winning. They're not ruining their future. They just need to make a smart decision on draft day. And I look at this this way is that the Canadians are three, six and one in their last 10. They've lost three in a row. The Toronto game was the only one that they looked halfway decent in. They are 31st in the league. They are seven points behind New Jersey, who has won their last two. They're not falling out of the top three. At this point, they should be playing games with the expectation to win them. Like it's them and Arizona at the bottom. Arizona has a game in hand. I don't know who they're playing next. I don't really care because they're probably going to play it in a 7-Eleven parking lot somewhere because that's what happens. But I look at this and I go, I understand that you want the first overall pick. I do. I get that. I want the first overall pick because I'm very likely going to be at that draft. And I want to be there when Shane Wright's announces the newest Montreal Canadian. But at the same time, they have another first round pick this year. They have like 13 picks in this draft, a new organization that has a new rebuilding model that they're going with. And I just... I, I don't want to end this season with a team playing like a bunch of losers, like have some pride. And they did. And then, yeah, they sold off assets at the deadline as they were expected to. And they got worse as they were expected to. And they got hit with more injuries. Their starting goalie is out. Justin Barron is out. Obviously, Jonathan Drouin is out. Yes, Elonen is back in the AHL. And it's not like they're going to call up guys from the AHL and say, you know, earn your spot because they're trying to make the playoffs in the AHL right now. I understand where people are coming from, but at the same time, I'm like, how are you going to ask for Samuel Montembeau and then get mad that he plays well in a game and acting like him playing well for two periods is going to ruin the tank. Just admit that you don't like it when they win. It, I, I, I cannot process Why this Why do anymore. people just want to be with, miserable all the time? Why? I, I don't can't understand. root for losing. I just can't do it. Rooting for a team to lose and play like crap is so defeatist and loser-like behavior that it infuriates me because this is the Montreal Canadiens. This is a team that had us pride in its organization. And you know what? Yeah, they sucked this year. That's why they fired pretty much everything that wasn't nailed down in this organization. 
and a bunch of them are getting fired in the off season too. You yeah, can, so just you like can take, sense it. Take a deep breath. It's gonna be fine. Like I swear it. It's not that deep. Remember? It's not that deep. Deep it, cuts. There we go. It's not that deep. It's we get it. You you want the first overall pick. We're going in circles, and I just I don't want to see them play like they did tonight because they could lose games. They can lose games like four to two. But if they play competitively in them, that's fine. But if you're rooting for efforts like you saw against Columbus on Wednesday night, you're not rooting for the team. You're just rooting for a draft pick to maybe make it. And I'd rather take my chances with getting some of these guys on this team back on track here. It's, I don't know. We're going to find out more. They got the Islanders. They've got, I believe, the Bruins this weekend. Um it, their schedule is not exactly easy. Oh, God. It's the Islanders on Friday, the Capitals on Saturday, the Wild on Tuesday, the Flyers, who they should pummel relentlessly on Thursday, the Senators on the 23rd, and then they end the season. They have a game against the Bruins on the 24th, the Rangers on the 27th, and the Panthers on the 29th. There's one, two, three, four, five playoff teams in their final eight games. I'd rather see them put up a fight than wilt and die like a bunch of losers. And I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to try. It might not be pretty, but I'm hoping they try. Uh, That's it for this episode. I will have a special guest host for tomorrow's episode. This is our mailbag. So please send us your mailbag questions at LO underscore Canadians or LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. You can follow Laura at The Active Stick, myself at Scott Metla. Subscribe on YouTube, please. Uh, A thousand subscribers means we do something really stupid on YouTube. And we're still trying to figure out what horrid thing Laura should eat. We will decide. Somebody emailed me this thing with with herring, fermented herring from Sweden. I've already tried it. I am not doing that again. (laughs) You sounded way too excited about that. So herring is out. (laughs) No, I just... We will find something else. (laughs) We will find something else for Laura to eat or drink. We will see you all in our next episode. And when you're done listening to us, check out Locked On Fantasy Hockey so you can end the year on a strong note any fantasy hockey league you are in.